This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. He's just, he, he plopped down here next to me. And he keeps fucking kicking me. He's kicking my arm. He's kicking the side of my head. Buddy. Buddy, you got your ass on my on my pot tray. Dude. Ain't not cool. Not cool. He likes to plop his ass over here on my soundboard. He likes to plop his ass on my pot tray. This uncouth cat. Uncouth cat. You're an uncouth cat. I said yesterday that I made no promises about waking up this morning. I did set my alarm clock after working on a project until like 5.30 in the morning. I set my alarm clock for 8.30. I woke up and was like, you know what? I feel like I could get up. But Socrates was laying next to me. And I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. He's incredibly fat. He purrs really loud and he's fluffy. So if he starts like stretching out and he's wanting me to pet his belly and then like I put my arm around socks, I pet his belly and then all of a sudden I'm just, I'm, I'm asleep again because and that's what happened. So my apologies that I did not get up and cover day two of the January 6th hearings. But what would we talk about tonight? No other news has been going on except the hearings. That's predominantly what this show is about tonight. Though we do have some other shit. Cops in Uvalde are asking the Attorney General of Texas to block the release of body camera footage. Because of course they are. RB! Weed. Don't mind if I do. You know I ain't on up for this shit. Record heat wave sweeping the country. A buddy calls to smoke some pot with me. He always goes out to his building. He's like, you know it's hot outside, right? I was like... I assumed since it's a record fucking heat wave. He said, oh yeah, I saw Sparkles post something about that, but that's you guys. I'm like, it's across the fucking country, dude. Everyone's having a record heat wave, except a pocket of the the, uh, Pacific Northwest, which is experiencing below average temperatures. Climate change, bitches. Climate change. It's here to stay. Sweeping the country. Oh, fuck. We're going to hear from a couple of senators on the supposed bipartisan agreement. That's probably a good thing because you just go a few hours south. And they are experiencing a hell of a drought. Maybe not a few hours. Go 10, 15 hours. Drake, Merkin, RB. I've been sitting in this chair too long. Probably another reason why it's a good thing I did not wake up this morning and cover the January 6th hearings. 
Steve Bannon had a meltdown about it on his podcast or so. I've heard. I've got the video here. We're going to see what we think. Attorney General, former Attorney General Bill Barr claims that Trump became detached from reality. Trump released a statement, a 17-page statement today, proving uh, Trump is still detached from reality. The Giuliani claim about suitcases full of ballots has been debunked. The former Fox News editor, I believe that's the dude who decided to call the election. Smokey, would you stop? Yeah, buddy, I'm sorry I yelled at you. You're a little shithead sometimes. (laughs) Oh, man, I hate it. I hate it, especially at like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. This motherfucker gets a wild hair up his ass, and he's over there, like, climbing my curtains. Climbing my curtains. He's smacking me. You're not seeing it, but he's fucking with me over here. Hey, 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 hey. PETA is not a reputable organization, sir. I am a reputable cat owner. I even have a mug that states that I'm the best cat dad ever. And has a cat flipping you off. I've even received an award for it. PETA, on the other hand, PETA is shit to animals. Like, even look at my meme for the day. I didn't plan this out. I didn't plan to be talking about how great of a cat dad I am. But here, got any fun plans for the summer? Me, playing cards with my motherfucking cats. Dip, I don't even know what you're talking about. Bullshit. Have you met a cat? Poor Lord. You have never met a cat before. If you said the cat would not be abusing you if you were a good owner. You have clearly never met a cat. Startled him there. He wasn't he wasn't done licking his, his titty. Hey, buddy. Cat's the reason why you didn't get January 6th coverage. I'm blaming it on Socrates. You didn't get January 6th coverage. It just says dog dad. Well, I mean, it's not wrong. The mug's not wrong. Overall, I am not a PETA fan. And like we 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 had the latest run in when we did the the what, James Cromwell, he super glued himself to a counter at a Starbucks over the dumbest fucking shit because they charge more plant based alternatives because I, I I hate to inform James Cromwell who's probably a fucking idiot doesn't do his own shopping plant-based alternatives just cost more it costs more for the store to purchase them so of course they're going to cost more at the point of sale ain't high enough for this shit Pete Hegseth said some bullshit about the uh uh 
Patriot Front members that were arrested in Idaho who were apparently planning to uh, knock some skulls at a Pride event. Police are now receiving death threats for arresting the fucks. We're going to talk about stonks tonight. We're going to talk about stonks. Crypto is melting down. Yes, buddy. Yes, yes. God damn it, cat. Yeah, buddy. Apparently, I've not given him enough attention today. Are you going to come lay down or what? My pot tray is not the place for you to stick your ass. God damn And now he's... Dropped his leg up on my arm. Ass is on my on my rolling tray. Not the ideal situation, Smokey. This is not the place for you to be. It's not cat friendly up here. I don't know. Everywhere in my house is cat friendly. We're going to talk about stonks. We're going to talk about China's economy. We're going to talk about the U.S. economy. How we might be on the brink of a recession. Crypto markets are melting down. Can I at least move? Made me spill my bowl, dude. Made me spill my marijuana. Cool. So much more tonight. Oh, the GOP is actually sponsoring a bill I think you're all going to be on board for. Surprise, surprise. Dude, don't do it anymore. Don't come over here. Uh, also, I think he, I think he is on the side of my, of my friend when we play Mortal Kombat. I think he tries to cost me the fuck. Goes and sits in front of the TV. Tries to fuck with me, wants me to fucking pet him and shit. Start off tonight with the January 6th hearing, which I overslept this morning. I have no clue what went on. Let's get caught up. You're going to get caught up with me. Some of you probably watched it. All these allegations of fraud that built up over a number of days, and it was like playing whack-a-mole because something would come out one day, and then the next day it would be another issue. Like playing whack-a-mole with Donald Trump. I would not want to go to Chuck E. Cheese with Donald Trump. This is the L.A. Times putting insane music under this. Can we just hear him talk? I just wanted to hear Bill Barr. Horribly edited video. This is what I get for not watching this shit. I don't want to read it. You fucking, you have the video. You should have played the clip of him saying it. Got under my skin, but I also felt it was time for me to say something. So on, I had 
I set up a, a lunch with the AP reporter, Mike Balsamo, and I told him at lunch, uh, I made this statement um, that to date we have not seen fraud that could have affected a different outcome in the election. And the president was as mad as I've ever seen him, and he was trying to control himself. And the president said, well, this is you know, killing me. Uh, you didn't have to say this. You must have said this because you hate Trump. Because you hate Trump. Barr said that just days after the election, there was an avalanche of voter fraud claims that were completely bogus. The fact that all the early claims uh, that I understood on, uh, were, were completely bogus and silly and usually based on complete misinformation. And so I, I didn't consider the quality of claims right out of the box to, to give me any you know, feeling that there was really substance here. After Trump suggested there was fraud in certain jurisdictions, Barr said he responded that there was no indication of the, uh, that there was fraud and it was bullshit. The stuff that his people were shuttling out to the public were bull- was bullshit. I mean, that the claims of fraud were bullshit. And, uh, they censored it. You know, he was indignant about that. And um, I reiterated that they'd wasted a whole month on these claims on the Dominion voting machines, and they were idiotic claims. Idiotic claims. Here's the thing is, Barr spoke in the past tense as if Trump used to be indignant. No, no, no. Trump is still indignant. (laughs) This is Trump's statement. Statement by President Donald J. Trump. He is not the president. Sir, you are not the president right now. I need to I need to do that amnestic? Okay. I'm I'm still not sure what you asked me to do. I'm all about it. Whatever whatever we need to do. Trump is still indignant. Our nation is suffering in 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 uh, all caps. Our economy is in the gutter. Inflation is rampant. Gas prices have reached an all-time high. Ships are unable to unload cargo. Families cannot get needed to baby formula. We are an embarrassment around the world. Our withdrawal from Afghanistan was a disaster that cost us precious American blood and gave $85 billion worth of the best military equipment on earth to our enemy. There's so much wrong with what he just said. Millions and millions of illegal aliens. Illegals. I didn't. I put the aliens there. My bad. Oh shit! Amnestic. I will. I will totally signal boost that. I will. I will do my best for you and put it in places where I think it might help. Millions and millions of illegals are marching to the border and invading our country. We have a White House in shambles with Democrats just this week declaring that Biden is unfit to run for re-election. And what is the Democrat Congress focused on? A kangaroo court hoping to distract the American people from the great pain they are experiencing. 17 months after the events of January 6th, Democrats are unable to offer solutions. They are desperate to change the narrative of a failing nation. Blah, 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 blah. 17 pages. 
17 pages. It has citations. Since when does anything Trump does have say? 2,000 mules is the citation. 2,000 mules is the citation. Of course it is. Jesus. The math. There's a there's a header called the math. They did math in this, apparently. The illegal ballot harvesting operation is an insult to the democratic process. But the kicker is the media feeding us the bogus line that this was the most secure election in U.S. history. It wasn't even the media. It wasn't even the media. It was your own fucking DOJ. I wish, I wish we could have seen video of this. Instead of it being 17 pages, I wish it was 17 minutes. Just Trump ranting. But fortunately, we do get video of Steve Bannon was said to have had a meltdown. Trump won the presidency, and he is the legitimate president of the United States, and your guy's illegitimate, and the American people are awakening to that. And we don't care what you have to say, and I dare America. That's not true at all. Crap there last night, and try to indict Donald J. Trump. We dare you, because we will impeach. We're winning in November, and we're going to impeach you and everybody around you. He didn't make it, Scott Comet. We're going to impeach you and everybody at DOJ. Trump won the presidency, and he is the legitimate president of the United States, and your guy's illegitimate, and the American people. So I want you to notice that there is a quote behind him, one of those inspirational quotes. There are no conspiracies, but there are no coincidences. And the quote is from himself. It's a Steve Bannon quote. He is quoting himself over his left shoulder on his podcast. Yeah, on the other side, on the right, on the right shoulder is Jesus. He's got the Jeebus, and he's got his own fucking quote on the other side. Do you think we're stupid? you think we're fools? So he's going to impeach everybody. Hide your kids, hide your wives. If the Republicans get elected, they're going to impeach everybody up in here. Let's explore one of the claims from 2000 Mules, the whole uh, two cases full of ballots. Mr. Barr and Mr. Donahue talk about the false claims that Mr. Trump and his supporters made about suitcases of fake ballots in Georgia. We have a witness here today who thoroughly investigated that issue. Mr. Pack, I want to thank you for appearing before us today. You were appointed by President Trump to serve as the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. Appointed by Trump. He was a Trump appointee. 2021. You were the as I understood it, most of the people that testified today were Trump appointees. They were people who worked in the Trump White House. Lead federal prosecutor there and worked for the Department of Justice under then Attorney General Bill Barr. Now, were you ever asked by Attorney General Barr to investigate claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election? And if so, what were those claims? 
We're going to hear from the Fox Math guy here in a second. Thank you for the question. Uh, approximately December 4th, I believe, of 2020, uh, Attorney General Barr and I had a conversation about an unrelated case to the case at issue. At the end of the conversation, Mr. Barr had asked me if I had seen a certain videotape that was being reported in the news where Mr. Giuliani... I believe we, we remember watching this. ...subcommittee hearing that was held the day before, May 3rd, showed a videotape of a purportedly um, a security tape at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, which is also in Fulton County, in the city of Atlanta. Uh, I'm sorry, city of, uh, yes. At the time, Mr. Barr asked me that he had um, made a public statement that he had not seen any um, widespread election fraud that would um, question the um, outcome of the election. And because of the videotape and the serious allegation that Mr. Giuliani was making with respect to the suitcase full of ballots purported... I'm sorry, but Rudy Giuliani is not a serious person to make any kind of a serious allegation. I envisioned that in some days after our call that he was going to go to the White House for a meeting and then that issue might come up. He asked me to make it a priority to get to the bottom of... Uh, to try to substantiate the allegation made by Mr. Giuliani. Uh, thank you. I understand the Georgia Secretary of State's office investigated uh, those State Farm Marina allegations and didn't find any evidence of fraud. What did you find when your office conducted, uh, conducted its own investigation? We found that the suitcase full of ballots, the alleged black suitcase that was being seen pulled from under the table was actually an, an official lockbox where um, ballots were kept safe. We found out that <laughs> there was a mistake in terms of a misunderstanding that they were done counting ballots or tallying ballots for the night. It was, it was just idiots watching partisan, shit that they didn't uh, know what they were watching. That was assigned by each of the respective parties were announced to send home. But once they realized the mistake, someone from the Secretary of State's office had indicated that, no, 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 we're not done for the night. You need to go ahead and, and continue counting. Um, so once they packed up the lockbox full of ballots, they brought back the official ballot box again and continue to uh, tally the ballots from that from the, the lockbox. Um, unfortunately, during the Senate hearing, uh, Mr. Giuliani only played a clip that showed them pulling out the official ballot box from under the table um, and referring to that as a smoking gun of a fraud in, in Fulton County. But in actuality, in review of the entire uh, video, uh, it showed that that was actually an official ballot box that would kept underneath the, the tables. And then they, we saw them pack up because of the announcement that they thought they were done for the night. And then once the announcement was made that you should continue counting, they brought oh, the sky comment. Thank out, you for the cheer. Continue to count. We interviewed meat cakes. Thank you for the resub. Individuals that are depicted in you guys are awesome. The videos um, that purportedly were double, triple counting of the ballots, and determined that uh, nothing irregular happened. Yes, yes, we knew this when this happened. There's some cat ass for you. You got a, you got a cat ass. <laughs> hearing those bits. We knew all of this back in 2020 when we watched the fucking videos. Hey, buddy, I'm I'm doing something right now. 
Mr. Starwalt, you were at the decision desk at Fox News on election night. This, yes, this was the man that was fired for being right. He called Arizona correctly for Joe Biden and Fox rewarded him being the first network to call it correctly for Joe Biden. Fox rewarded him by firing him. You called Arizona early for President Biden, which was controversial. How did you make that call, and where did you think the race stood in the early hours of the next day? Apparently, he's really good, and that's how he made that call. To our competitors, who we beat so badly by making the correct call first, uh, our decision desk uh, was the best in the business, and I was very proud to be a part of it uh, because we had a uh, we had partnered with the Associated Press and the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago, uh, thanks to uh, my colleague and friend Arnon Mishkin, uh, had built a wonderful device for forecasting the outcomes of elections. So we had a different set of data than our... Well, he's getting to go and and shit on the employer that fired him. Um, So what you're waiting to see is, do the actual votes match up with the expectations in the poll? The real votes are testing the quality of your poll in targeted precincts and in targeted places. And let me tell you, our poll in Arizona was beautiful. And it was doing (laughs) what we wanted it to do. And it was cooking up just right. Cooking up just right. uh, Who? But at some point, it became clear that Arizona was getting ready to make a call. So we, around, uh, you know, my boss, Bill Salmon, said we're not making any call until... Everybody says yes, because that was always our policy, unanimity. And you have to understand, in this room, you have, you know, the, the best people from academia, Democrats, Republicans, a broad cross-section of people who had worked together for a decade, who were really serious about this stuff. So we knew it would be a consequential call because it was one of five states that really mattered, right? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona were the ones that we were watching. We knew it would be significant to call any one of those five, but we already knew Trump's chances were very small and getting smaller based on what we had seen. So we were able to make the call early. Uh, We were able to beat the competition. Uh, We looked around the room, everybody says yay, and on we go. And by the time we found out how much everybody was freaking out and losing their minds over this call. We were already trying to call the next state. We had already moved on. We were into Georgia. We were, <laughs> we were looking at these other states. It was uh, election so night. This motherfucker was busy. We were pleased, but not surprised. I see. You know, after the election, as of November 7th, in your judgment, what were the chances of President Trump winning the election? After that point? Yes. None. I mean, I guess there, you could, you, it's always possible that you could have, you know, uh, a truckload of ballots be found somewhere, I suppose. But once you get into this space, you know, um, ahead of today, I thought about what are the largest margins that could ever be overturned by a recount and the normal kind of, the kind of stuff that we heard Mike Pence talking about sounding like a normal Republican that night when he said, you know, we'll keep every challenge. Nothing like that. In a recount, you're talking about hundreds of votes. When we think about calling a race, one of the things that we would think about is, is it outside the margin of a recount? And when we think about that margin, we think about, in modern history, you're talking about a 1,000 votes, 
1,500 votes at the way, way outside. Normally, you're talking about hundreds of votes, maybe 300 votes that are going to change. So the idea that through any normal process in any of these states, remember, he had to do it thrice, right? He needed three. Yeah, the recount in Arizona found 100-something ballots for I mean, Biden. At, uh, an infant, you're better off to play the Powerball uh, than to <laughs> have that come in. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the... Ooh, that, that stinger was loud. Sorry about that. Fuck you, George Stephanopoulos. I like that dude. I, I, I hope he's, you know, somewhere... Washington Post, something like that. Smokey, you're bugging the shit out of me right now. Here's something I'm not going to say often. This is a bill being pushed by Republicans that we are all going to agree with. GOB-backed bill would prohibit politicians from putting family members on their campaign payrolls. Totally down with it. Why Why wasn't this a thing fucking forever ago? New bill aims to prevent politicians from dipping into their campaign funds to, play, to pay family members for campaign services. Introduced by Republican Representative Pat Fallon of Texas and co-sponsored by nine other GOP lawmakers... The Family Integrity to Reform Elections Fire Act Fire would prohibit any candidate running for federal office from paying immediate family members for campaign services. Campaigns would be required to report any payment made to immediate family members, which includes spouses, parents, children, siblings, and their domestic partners. Current campaign finance law has allowed for millions of dollars to flow out campaigns and into the bank accounts of a candidate's family members with little proof of what they are actually contributing. Right now, there's no requirement to alert the Bipartisan Federal Election Commission or other governmental entity when someone uh, on a campaign's payroll is part of the family. Indeed, according to regulations set forth by the FEC, it is illegal for lawmakers to compensate family members as long as they are providing bona fide services to the campaign and not being paid in excess of the fair market value. In the event that the bill is signed into law, unlikely, given its lack of Democratic sponsors in a Democratic-controlled Congress. Well, that's some bullshit. Penalties would be stiff. Any candidate who was found to have violated the act would be penalized with a $100,000 fine per violation or 200% of the compensation paid to family members. I would hope that the uh, uh, progressives would sign on to this. I would love to see a bill prohibiting family members from being appointed to positions in the White House. Would think that would have bipartisan agreement. There kind of is, but they just ignore it. The nationwide push to bring gun. Kind of like the nationwide push to bring gun control to the land. The Senate has unveiled their bipartisan gun control legislation. I'm sure you're going to be positively underwhelmed. Safety changes continues on Capitol Hill. The Senate unveiling 
what would be a landmark bipartisan gun safety bill if passed. Rekha Mudaraj is live in the newsroom now with what's being considered. Rekha? Hey, Mia. Well, Texas Senator John Cornyn is one of the lead negotiators for this bill. It addresses issues like mental health, school safety, and illegal gun purchases. He spoke moments ago on the Senate floor presenting the proposed legislation. Now, Cornyn says it impacts only violent criminals and those declared mentally ill. But he emphasized that law-abiding gun owners are not the problem and have a Second Amendment right to purchase a firearm. The plan also includes improving availability for mental health care and creating stronger school safety measures. And there's another provision in light of the shooting in Uvalde. Our provisions also include a review of juvenile records for buyers under the age of 21. In Uvalde, Salvador Ramos was able to pass a background check only because no one had any insight, official insight, into his tortured background. We need to know before somebody walks in and buys a firearm when they turn 18, what their mental health and criminal record history looks like to the extent feasible. Cornyn says he believes this bill will save lives. In the meantime, the House also passed a wide range of gun control package last week, mostly along party lines. It includes a ban on the sale of large capacity magazines and raising the minimum age to buy a semi-automatic rifle from 18. Now, there's something a little more solid that you can sink your teeth into. Support in the evenly divided Senate. Mia? We'll see where the proposed legislation goes from here. You know, speaking of Uvalde, you've been you've been wondering what those cops been up to. What them what them cops been doing? Something shady, I would assume. Texas police want Uvalde body cam footage suppressed because it could expose law enforcement weakness. I mean, yes, yes. Texas Department of Public Safety has asked the state's office of the Attorney General to prevent the public release of body camera footage of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde as part, in part because it argues the footage be, could be used by other shooters to determine weaknesses in police response to crimes. I mean... The weakness is the fact that, like, you just aren't going to do anything. But you can have 70 cops on the scene and you aren't going to do anything. This just adds more fuel to the fire that they shot a kid. We, we, we know that they got a kid shot. We know already that they got a kid shot. I think it's possible that they themselves shot a kid. They are covering up something. The Office of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who has been under indictment for like five years now, now review audio and body camera footage recorded by the department to determine if any of it can be released. According to a letter the department sent motherboard in response to a public records request, we filed asking for photographs and audio as well as video records. 
recorded by Department of Public Safety officers. Revealing the marked records would provide criminals with invaluable information concerning department techniques used to investigate and detect activities of suspected criminal elements. How information is assessed and analyzed, how information is shared among partner law enforcement agencies, and the lessons learned from the analysis of prior criminal activities, the department wrote in a letter uh, to the Office of the Attorney General that asked the office to prevent the release of the public records. I think they are covering shit up. Knowing the intelligence and response capabilities of department personnel. What intelligence and response capabilities? You, 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 you fucking used pepper spray on parents. You detained parents. There was no response. You didn't go in the school. There were 70 y'all motherfuckers. And not a one of you would breach the fucking door. They have been lying from from day one, from almost hour one. From the time we first heard from them. Their story has been a lie. They have tried to blame other people and they have they have been bullshitting us. Soon after the shooting in which a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers... Motherboard filed a public records request with Uvalde Police, the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District, and the Department of Homeland Security, DHS's Customs and Border Patrol, and the Texas Department of Public Safety. In those requests, we sought body camera footage, CCTV footage, audio recordings, and photos from the scene in an attempt to gain more clarity about what law enforcement did at the scene of the shooting. Uvalde police, in particular, have been criticized for not following protocol and allowing the shooter to stay in a classroom without trying to stop him, and for preventing parents from trying to stop the shooter themselves. Authorities say this was the wrong decision. Customs and Border Patrol rejected our request within a day, noting that any body cam footage is part of an active investigation and thus exempt from Freedom of Information requests. Uvalde Police and the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District, who were not cooperating with an investigation by the Department of Homeland Security, have yet to acknowledge our requests. By law, they have 10 business days to respond. In practice, many government agencies around the country simply ignore uh, freedom of information requests or only respond when badgered or threatened with litigation. Motherboard filed those requests nine business days ago. I believe this was published today. This was indeed published this morning. Citing an active investigation is one of the easiest ways for police to prevent information from being divulged to the public because federal and state public records laws generally have a carve-out that prevents records related to an active investigation from being released. In that sense, immediately requesting body camera footage from a mass shooting using a public records request is often a fool's errand. As Vice News explained earlier this month, police have also used something known as the dead suspect loophole to prevent body camera footage from being released. However, Motherboard has had success in the past obtaining body camera footage from mass tragedies in Texas in the past. Weirdly, weirdly worded statement. 
2016, the day after a sniper killed five police officers in Dallas during a protest against the police killings of Alden, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, motherboard requested footage related to the police use of a bomb strapped to a robot to kill the shooter. I, I brought that up on a stream a couple of days ago. That request went through a similar process to the one described above, and with police sending our request to the Texas Attorney General in the Dallas Police Department's letter to the Texas Attorney General, it asked that footage be suppressed because it could be embarrassing. Yeah, embarrassing indeed. Meanwhile, the cops that actually did the right thing in Idaho and possibly stopped mass violence from happening at a Pride event, they're getting death threats. The, the Idaho officers are now getting death threats after arresting 31 Patriot Front white nationalists near a Pride event. We actually we have video now from NBC News. The U-Haul full of dudes. A swarm of a U-Haul full of dudes came to riot. 31 suspected white nationalists zip tied and arrested blocks from a pride festival. These people want violence for us, and we don't want violence for anybody. There was at least one smoke grenade. Um, there was multiple shields. Coeur police Saturday discovered the crowd crammed in a U-Haul after a 911 caller described seeing a little army at a local hotel with masks on their faces and slogans like Reclaim America on their shirts. Police charging all 31 with conspiracy to riot, noting they planned to swarm several parts of Coeur and carried paperwork similar to an operations plan that a police or military group would put together. They traveled in from states all across the country, allegedly... They're, they're playing militia. They appear to be affiliated with the group Patriot Front. Who is Patriot Front? Patriot Front is a white supremacist group that is anti-Semitic, racist and homophobic to the core. Experts say the group formed following 2017's deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Tonight, police in Idaho working with the FBI. Why Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? White supremacist movement has deep roots in Idaho. And sometimes they'll choose small towns. Less security, easy to show up, less resistance. Amid Pride Month, events across the country now on edge, knowing one small town may have dodged a violent confrontation. Maggie Vespa, NBC News. Well, that's not the only confrontation. We had the the Proud Boys. Today, gas hit a new high. Five. (laughs) Gas hitting a new high. We had the Proud Boys in California. Try to get in the face of some drag queens at a story time. Meanwhile, over on Fox, Pete Hexeth makes an infuriating comment on the hate group's arrest near a Pride parade. Here is the video posted by Media Matters. Two dozen men have been accused of belonging to a white nationalist group and are arrested near a Pride parade in Idaho. And police are saying the men piled into a U-Haul and planned to stage a riot. It's interesting to see what comes... I was trying to make it full screen. Investigation. Ashley Strohmeyer is here with the details. Ashley. Yeah, dozens of people in masks suspected of being tied to a white nationalist group were arrested near an Idaho Pride event yesterday, accused of conspiring to start a riot. Police in Coeur d'Alene confirming those people. You're right, Sassy. Boys like to play dress up 
So I don't understand why they don't understand drag queens and shit. Same fucking deal. Same fucking deal. You guys want to play army. People came to the event from multiple states and were found in the back of a rental truck. 31 people were detained. Uh, They were all wearing similar attire. attire. They had shields, shin guards, um, and other riot gear with them. At this point, they appeared to be affiliated with the group Patriot Front. So police say all 31 people are being charged with conspiracy to riot. One man's hat said victory or death. Another's shirt read Reclaim America. Many of the men reportedly wore patches identifying them with the Patriot Front Group. Where my country gone? Reporting police recovered at least one smoke grenade and an operations plan for the event inside that truck. The police chief says the intentions of the men were clear to start a riot. And then video later circulating of the men kneeling on the grass with their hands zip tied behind their backs and being escorted away by police. Police say they learned... Look who's taking a knee now. ...tipster who reported the men loading into the truck in the parking lot of a hotel. Her name is Ashley Stromer. Police say they learned about the U-Haul from a... Name is Ashley Stromer. Wild. I it's <laughs> apparently it was like a a a maid at a hotel that saw them all piling into the U-Haul together. <laughs> like it's a clown car. And that's that's how they got caught because the maid called nine one one. That's hilarious. Tipster who reported the men loading into the truck in the parking lot of a hotel. Back to you guys. Okay, thank you, Ashley. I just want to know how many BLM riots were prevented because we got in on the inside mm. before they. Wow, how many BLM riots? Let's change the subject completely. Let's do some whataboutism. Uh, sir, uh, Hegstrith, 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 however the fuck you say your name, I would hate to tell you. No, I don't hate to tell you at all. I, I don't hate to tell you at all. Uh, most of the violence... During the the summer of 2020 that you're calling BLM riots actually came from right-wing groups. Like this one. Feds say far-right group coordinated attack on Minneapolis police precinct during protest. The FBI brought charges against a member of the far-right Boogaloo Boys. Participating in an effort to incite a riot outside a Minneapolis police precinct in May amid protests against the police killing of George Floyd. That's the one when they say the when they say cities burnt down, that's what they're talking about. The Minneapolis Police Department. You can pretty much go city by city and all the major uh, violent events during the BLM protests were actually right wing organizations trying to make it look like the BLM protests were violent. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just the facts of the matter. Now, were there some BLM protests that got out of hand? Sure. I'm sure there were. But for fuck's sake, learn what you're talking about. And I had a dude, I had a dude one time tell me, it was like, well, the DOJ is corrupt. You can't listen to what they say. They indicted the Boogaloo Boys. Huh. I don't believe it. I'm like, well, sir, if you have a problem with the DOJ, wait till you find out what BLM was protesting. You dumb fucks. You dumb, you dumb fucks. Idiots, each and every one of you. Right-wingers are morons. The stock market is in free fall, apparently. Stonks. The S&P 500 enters a bear market... As Dow, Nasdaq fall, investors raise bets on aggressive Federal Reserve interest rate increases. Cryptocurrencies decline. We're going to talk about cryptocurrencies here in just a second. The stock market sell-off deepened on Monday with the S&P 500 entering a bear market as investors took another look at Friday's red-hot inflation data and liked it even less. Faced with rising chances of aggressive monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve, investors broadly unloaded risk. The S&P 500 slumped 3.9% as 495 of its 500 components ended the day lower. The declines left the U.S. stock benchmark down more than 20% from its January record, sending it into a bear market for the first time since 2020. Meanwhile... A route in cryptocurrencies highlighted investors' increasing unwillingness to hang on to their most speculative holdings. The price of Bitcoin plunged below 23000 before pairing that loss to trade at 5 p.m., down 66% from the November high. Let's talk about crypto melting down. And also, it's a video, so I don't have to, I don't have to explain this fucking bullshit. Bitcoin plunges below 24 grand and the crypto meltdown claims another casualty. Crypto prices are crashing. Bitcoin is down right now more than 10%. Two major platforms had temporarily suspended. Older! Older! Blamed extreme market conditions. Uh, Binance users... Now, wait a minute. Seller, seller, seller. Well, I, I don't know what the fuck their terminology is. a technical issue. Bitcoin is down now uh, 66% from its November record high. Paula Monica joins us live now. So, Paul, it seems as though investors no longer really sort of seem to have faith in these alternative investment classes, cryptocurrencies, as as a hedge against inflation. Just walk us through that. Yeah, there had been, Zane, a lot of Bitcoin and crypto bulls who had been holding firm to the notion that 
if the dollar were to weaken, if the Fed were to try and... I, I'm not sure what that means. When I hear the term bull, that's like a, that's like a guy, usually a black man, you get to, to, to come over and fuck your wife or your girlfriend. Get you a bull to come over and you, you do your little cuck thing in the corner. That's just, that's just what I've heard flood the market with more liquidity or other global central banks doing the same that you'd want to own bitcoin it's this great inflation hedge it's digital gold well it turns out that almost like it's bullshit the case it's more a speculative asset like a tech stock and gold is still real gold even though gold is down today too just because everything is in red as mark zandy alluded to uh, a little bit earlier I think right now investors are grappling. We'll get you a bear. That Bitcoin is a speculative. You get you, you, get you a daddy with a with a with a gut. Seeing as some a hairy chest. Those problems with Celsius and Binance. Obviously, for many people who have money tied into Bitcoin, this is somewhat reminiscent of the bank runs of uh, you know 2008, 2009, when you had people that were worried about what was going on in the financial. Okay, um, Sky Comet. The other day, I was reading the story, and it, like it wasn't until the other day I'd heard bear and bull market for years, right? But it wasn't until I was reading a story here on the Troll Patrol the other day that it dawned on me that it wasn't B A R E bear. I thought like a bear market, like bear. There's nothing going on in the bear market, right? It's like a bear cupboard. No, no, no. It's a bear, like a bear hibernating. And then a bull market's like when the bull's raging and shit, right? But for, for most of my life, when I even knew, when I even knew what the terms fucking were, right? I, I thought it was bear market is in B-A-R-E. Not bears in the animal. Rawr. <laughs> markets trying to take out money the problem is that these are not federally insured deposits like you have with big banks so i think a lot of investors are scared and nervous yeah and they signed up for it knowing that risk um how close are we to the bottom do you think where's the downside here it could go further as you pointed out yes we are about two-thirds from the peak of 66 percent drop from the all-time highs last year but we're down about 50 percent so far this year just 25 percent in the past week and i think what's troubling zane is that it's not just cryptocurrencies themselves where you have all this downside you look at a lot of investors and they've piled in to companies like coinbase its stock is plunging today all the bitcoin what the fuck is eight stock they're down but even larger financial firms jack dorsey's block aka square that's a company that has been hit extremely hard because its exposure to bitcoin and poor michael saylor and microstrategy a software company that has made i I got news for you guys like all all my friends are like waiting for everything to uh, to crash so we can like actually pick up the pieces in that stock because microstrategy is tumbling pretty sharply as well along with just just all the entire system come crashing down and it hurts inside and it's actually probably pretty good for, for my cohort. Just saying. Dun, 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 dun. D-Mox, you're heavy in cash? 
You can use that cash to buy up assets when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Dun, 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 dun. I'm doing the Hulk Hogan theme for those of you who don't know. I thought I'd... Okay, so here's the thing. Is I was going to do troll NFTs. I was going to do troll crypto. But I've run into a problem. I've run into a problem. Uh, nobody, nobody will, nobody will handle these things for me because of the Hasbro, uh, uh, claim to the troll head. So, so I, I can't actually make a troll coin. I can't, I can't make a troll NFT. I gotta change. I gotta change the hair if I want to make. I've thought about doing like a troll that has like his hair slicked back and shit. They won't. They won't mint my NFT because of the troll hair. And to be fair, like that is the only part that I didn't construct on my own. I did indeed lift the troll hair from a troll doll. Now, technically, under U.S. law. Fucking, it's called the Troll Patrol, it's parody, it's fair use, I'm covered under multiple things. But to mint this as an NFT, or or a coin... Well see, that was the, the very first NFT. Let me see if I've got it here. Well, it's actually the troll face. It was one of the... It was one of the reject designs. Here you go. This was supposed to be the very first Troll Patrol NFT. And they won't let me mint it because of the because of the troll hair. Tommy Troll ready for business. <laughs> Maybe that was the first one and this was the second one I made. Won't let me use the troll here. I'm sorry, the, the captions weren't enabled just then, and they're still not working. I don't know. Everything fucked up on me right before I came on, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know why everything fucked up. So my apologies that there's no... There's no captions right now, and they're still not working. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They're afraid that it infringes on the troll trademark. I guess it's Hasbro. I don't know who makes Troll. That's that's the reason that they gave me. Oh, unfortunately, the Troll economy shrank. This seemed to... I, I understand. I understand their concern. This corresponds to the uh, United Kingdom's economy shrinking unexpectedly. Figures reduce the risk of a half-point rise in interest rates. The CBI calls on government to spur growth and business investment. 
UK economy shrank in April at the sharpest pace in more than a year as the government wound down COVID testing, highlighting risks that a broader contraction is underway. Gross domestic product fell 0.3% from March, when output declined 2.1%. The Office for National Statistics said on Monday, a gain of 0.1% was predicted by economists. Oh, shit! Figures underscore a dimming outlook for the UK economy, with manufacturing, services, and construction all contracting together for the first time since January of 2021. That may persuade the Bank of England to move cautiously in fighting inflation. It's expected to deliver a quarter-point rate raise on Thursday. Things aren't looking good, guys, I'm just going to tell you. That's the UK's economy. What's going on over here in China? According to Barron's, things aren't looking too good in China. China's economy is in trouble. The ripples will hit the Fed. The world's two largest economies are navigating an increasingly difficult task. The U.S. Federal Reserve is trying to tamp down inflation without a hard landing, while Chinese policymakers are looking to repair the damage from their zero-COVID policies. How policymakers in one country fair could impact the other, adding to the complicated calculus for investors also trying to digest the latest geopolitical escalation as China's claims the Taiwan Strait that the U.S. Navy regularly transits isn't international waters. P.S. Lombard Chief Economist Freya Bimish says in a client note that China's policymakers are more likely to keep its economy from going off the tracks rather than breaking first. That means the renminbi, renminbi is unlikely to depreciate sharply. What's what's the renminbi? Out. another word for the Chinese one. The renimbi. I'd never, I'd never heard it referred to as that. Oh, cool. Learn something every day. I love it. Not to say that there isn't trouble in China. Chinese policymakers are tweaking their harsh zero-COVID policies to try to dull the economic pain, including guidelines prohibiting local officials to widen restrictions beyond high and medium COVID risk areas or quarantine those in in low-risk areas. Mimish cautions that the priority remains zero-COVID and pandemic containment. I think, I think is the more prudent route in the long run. talk about the energy shock that is still reverberating through our economy this is from bloomberg so keep that in mind as we're as we're reading this is from a very bourgeoisie source just as the world was getting serious about a green energy future its dependence on fossil fuels struck home with a force not seen since the 1970s. Russia's invasion of Ukraine combined with pressures unleashed by the pandemic to send the price of all forms of energy rocketing. With oil climbing more than 50% in the first half of 2022, 
That energy shock was at the heart of a surge in inflation that caused hardship and political headaches around the globe. Number one, why do we have an energy shock? Just two years ago, the price of the benchmark U.S. oil futures contract plunged briefly below zero as the pandemic sank the global economy. A year later, the price has rebounded to pre-pandemic levels and kept on rising as as revived demand outstripped growth in crude supplies. Then came a wild series of jolts from the waves of the sanctions by the U.S. and its allies to shut out Russia, the source of 10% of the world's oil, along with other key commodities from wheat to fertilizer to nickel. More than half of Russia's oil exports go to countries in the European Union, but markets for energy are global, so changes in supply and demand are felt worldwide. Who got hurt? Consumers! Consumers were hit particularly hard, since spending on energy is difficult to cut. In the UK, regulators warned that the surge in global natural gas prices were set to drive the average household energy bill up another 42% in October, when a price cap is adjusted higher, producing the biggest hit to living standards since the 1950s. Much of the world, retail fuel prices rose even faster than crude. Gasoline topped an average of $5 a gallon in the U.S. for the first time in June, the start of the summer driving season was the fallout. There was a scramble to increase supplies and reroute fuels to where they were needed, efforts that met with limited success. The EU phased in a partial ban on Russian oil and bought more liquefied natural gas on world markets to wean itself off of Russian gas pipelines, which accounted for 40% of supply. By mid-June, Russia, for its part, had cut off gas flows to four EU countries, U.S. President Joe Biden's administration asked oil refineries about the feasibility of bringing back mothballed capacity. There were other responses as well. To cool the surge in inflation, the U.S. Federal Reserve and its counterparts were expected to crank up interest rates in the most aggressive monetary policy tightening cycle in decades. This won't bring energy costs down right away, but the aim is to slow economic growth to such an extent that inflation fizzles out. Could it drag on? By early June, there was no sign of an end to what had become a grinding bloody war in Ukraine and little hope for big boosts in energy production, with the oil-rich OPEC nations agreeing to only a modest increase in oil output. The price of the West Texas Intermediate Oil Futures contract climbed above $120 a barrel and a potential post-pandemic resurgence in consumption in China The world's biggest crude importer threatened to add even more upward pressure. J.P. Morgan Chase and company chief executive officer Jamie Dimon said that oil had the potential to hit $150 or $175 a barrel and that the bank was bracing itself for an economic hurricane. How does this compare with previous shocks? The vault in prices is comparable to history's two most famous oil shocks. The 1973 Arab-Israeli War, which led many crude producers to refuse to sell to countries that supported Israel. The revolution in Iran six years later, that for a time cut out about 7% of global crude supply. There are differences. Economic growth isn't as closely linked with oil as it was in the 1970s. Output is much less energy intensive than it was back then. 
Fracking Shell has made the U.S. the world's biggest producer of oil and gas, bringing America much closer to the energy independence it pursued after gasoline shortages hit home in the 1970s. Still, the crisis was a reminder that the world remains reliant on fossil fuels for more than three-quarters of its energy, a state of affairs that's likely to endure for decades, even as some countries speed up their investment in renewables. I probably need to speed up those investments. We're going to talk about the record fucking heat wave that is hitting the United States here in just a second. But Mox says U.S. is unofficially already in recession. Let me show you what Mox is referring to. The Fed GDP tracker shows the economy could be on the brink of a recession. The economic indicators that predict where we're going as an economy. The Atlanta Federal Reserve's GDP Now tracker is now pointing to an annualized gain of just 0.9% for the second quarter, down from an estimated 1.3% increase less than a week ago. With the first quarter growth down 1.5%, a second consecutive quarter of negative growth meets a rule of thumb definition for a recession. Let's go, Brandon. National Bureau of Economic Research, the official arbiter, says a recession can include two straight negative GDP prints. That's not necessarily the case. Honey, I don't think we're prepared for what's getting ready to happen to this country in terms of storm season, in in terms of drought, in terms of wildfires. Welcome to climate change right here, live, in 3D, in your face. This is serious heat. Millions under heat wave warnings as triple-digit temps move east. It's hot enough to make hamburgers inside of my car in the Arizona heat. I like cooking shows, so I figured we'd watch this dude cook burgers in his car. For a couple hours, where it is currently over 186 degrees. If you're ever too lazy to cook on your stove, just cook in your car. This burger was a definite 10 out of 10. Uh, you probably shouldn't do that. More than 100 million Americans were under some form of heat warning or advisory on Monday as a withering, potentially record-breaking heat wave made its way toward the central and eastern USA. The heat moved east after scorching portions of the West Lake last week. And over the weekend, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Denver were among cities posting record temperatures. Would you like to see some pictures? I got you some graphs. The heat advisory. Here we go. Here we go. Here are all of the places 
that are forecast to record record high temperatures Sunday through Wednesday. Do you see all of the red dots? There is probably one near you. I brought charts and graphs. As I mentioned earlier, this is happening. Tuesday's temperatures will be below average. What I like to call the Pacific North wet. Yeah, Mox, you've you've got the below average temperatures. I I don't know what's causing that. Another polar vortex or some shit. That's probably pretty nice, to be honest with you, for a June afternoon. Most of the country is seeing above average temperatures. You can see that it is moving eastward. All the places set. The record high temperatures. Guys, it's not even summer yet. It's not even summer yet. We still got like a week until it's summer. And we're already setting record temperatures. Hurricane season just started. I think we're going to get pounded with hurricanes this year. Strap in, bitches. It's going to be a hot, hot summer. I'm just saying. Southerly winds were expected to push hot and humid air into the eastern two-thirds of the nation through Wednesday, and temperatures could top 10 to 30 degrees above normal. Chicago could hit 100 degrees. Temperatures in Chicago could reach 100 degrees by Tuesday, along with oppressive humidity. Chicago hits the century mark. It would be the first time in nearly 10 years that the Windy City has seen a high temperature that extreme. Memphis, Tennessee, and St. Louis could set record highs and were under excessive heat warnings. Heat index values, what the weather feels like when humidity is factored in, could approach 110 degrees this week. Such conditions are dangerous, and the Weather Service said heat-related illnesses are possible. Yeah, it ain't no laughing matter. But if you do want something to laugh at, I got that. Here's a puppy that's having a hard time making it up a making it up a slide. But he keeps trying and he makes it. Boom. Root for the underdog. That socks trying to get up on anything. He doesn't get it the first time. But he gets it the second time. I just want to show you a puppy. Listen, the the January 6th hearings are, are day three or Wednesday morning. And I think it's even earlier. It's an hour earlier than what it was this morning. I make, make no promises. But just like this morning, I will set an alarm. 
We'll, we'll see. But I make no promises. I swear. I ran everybody off with the puppy. That's not usual. Usually the other way around. Like I keep everybody when there's. I guess everybody knew I was leaving. Watching on Twitch, we're gonna go see Freems. I I won't I will I will tell them not to take it personally that you left because you knew I was packing it up for the night. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.